Beyond being a good company man and checking out the work done at TSN, when it comes time every week to look ahead to the next week in the NFL, there's a couple places I go. I go, uh, I check out The Athletic, and I also always check out The Ringer. They always do a fantastic job, whether it's through their podcasts uh, and just all the coverage there, and not even just talking just about Bill Simmons and and uh, and Ben Zolak, but everyone. It's always a great place. And join me now, who covers, uh, covers the NFL and was with Pro Football Focus, it is Austin Gale. Austin, first, thank you so much for joining the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I checked on you. You're welcome. I appreciate the time. I checked on your website. It's uh, on your Twitter account. It says Audience Engagement Manager. When I think of you, I think of like NFL writer. Um, so I was just wondering for the listeners that don't know just your full uh, role when it comes to The Ringer and Spotify. Yeah, it's definitely split up a bit, right? I had a lot of management experience and had managed a lot of the content vertical at TFS before making the transition to the ringer. And, you know, Bill was very candid and was like, you know, I want to bring you out and we're going to have you doing something. And, we, you know, he kind of made a role for me here to do some of the management stuff that I was doing at PFF and some of the content analytics stuff, looking at guys like what you said, Bill and Solak and trying to identify and acquire talent in all verticals, not just NFL, but movies, TV, those things. And obviously the content affinity I have for the NFL, I'm doing some writing and some podcasting for them as well. It's uh, it's great, and the movie stuff and is wonderful. We also we love having House on this show. Uh, we get him on uh, about three four times a year. Uh, he's great as well. Um, well, let's look ahead to this week. Best coaching job right now: Dayball, Doug Peterson, or Kyle Shanahan. Austin, you can only pick one. Who are you taking? I'm taking Dayball, and I think Dayball is my favorite for Coach of the Year. I think if you look at the full body of work at what he did in the calendar year of 2022 hiring Mike Kafka I know you mentioned you read the athletic Max Duggan or not Max Duggan Dan Duggan Max Duggan's the TCU quarterback Dan Duggan <laughs> did a, uh, an article on Brian Dayball and how he went through the hiring process to bring in his coordinators and he did a panel of coaches that were on his staff and each of them had a vote and who they liked they were all involved in the interview process and he had not known Mike Kafka that closely before hiring him and then Brian Dayball who was hired for his offensive line hired for the efforts he was doing as a play caller in Buffalo, relinquished play calling duties to Mike Kafka, who is not a friend, did not hang out with him outside of work and hired a buddy. He brought in someone that the coaching staff liked, that all had votes on him, and brought him in to do that, and then relinquished play calling to him, and then unlocked a Daniel Jones that the front office said, hey, we don't want to pick up his fifth-year option, we're not sold on him as a long-term answer, and still elevated the offense to be what is, by efficiency metrics, a top-ten offense this season. Dayball is exactly what the NFL needs. It's a breath of fresh air in a very nepotism, hire your friends, hire your buddies driven league that to see the reward, to see the benefit and it work out so well is just such so exciting to see. Obviously Kyle Shanahan, what he's done with Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback, a seventh round rookie, his third string quarterback going into the season behind Trey Lance, behind Jim McGee, is great. We also have to factor in they have the best skill group in the NFL. Kyle, you know, the George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayu, Chris McCaffrey. Not saying his job is easy by any means, but Brian Dayball is charting out practice squad receivers. Isaiah Hodgins yeah. is now their top receiver in the playoffs. They signed him off the Buffalo Bills practice squad, and now he's coming in. So I do think Brian Dayball has had the best coaching job, and that starts with who you hire, how you handle play calling duties, and obviously how you elevate the talent they have. It also speaks to his level of confidence and just self-assuredness that he's not just bringing in people that he's known for 20, 30 years, that he's just going after the best talent. It also shows he's just, yeah, he's confident. His ego is in a nice place where he doesn't, where Dayball doesn't feel like he's going to be challenged or threatened. 
Absolutely. I think that when I was there in week three, you know, I, I was talking to the ringer and I was saying, hey, I really want to write a piece on the Giants. I think Brian Dayball is doing something to turn this team around. All after that week one game, right, where they go for two to win late. He's yelling at Daniel Jones for an awful red zone interception on a 50-50 ball to Saquon Barkley. You could read his lips. He says, we don't do that anymore. You don't do that anymore. A quarterback that has struggled with turnover since entering the league is like, we don't do these things anymore. And he's been great ever since. I think only five picks on the season. Like, Dayball was holding people accountable. Kenny Galladay, one of the highest-paid receivers in the NFL, sat the bench for most of this season because he's holding people accountable and making sure the best players play. That kind of change for a Giants team that has really struggled to find leadership in the building, like a coach and like a GM that can actually have success, was so, so early on you could see it, right? After week one, after week two, you know, there are a lot of articles about, man, what is this Dayball kid doing? And then when you dig into the process and dig into what he's done and how he's hired his coordinators, how quickly he relinquished play calling, all that stuff just continues to add up to be like, man, this is what the kind of coach the NFL needs. If you're not going to be an offensive mastermind like Kyle Shanahan, which is only a handful in the league, you can throw McVay in there, you can throw Shanahan in there, obviously, there's Mike McDaniel potentially, there's only a handful in the league. If you're not going to be that guy, you need to be a guy that everyone wants to play for, who's going to hold people accountable and do the right things and do the right process, like a Mike Tomlin for Pittsburgh. I think Dave is entering that tier. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I am a Giants fan. I've been a fan since uh, since 1990 when Parcells and them won that Super Bowl against the Bills. Um, all right, I'm going to be indulgent for a second. I want to apologize. We're going to save the Giants for a second. You said again, joined by Austin Gale from the Ringer. Uh, you said you wanted to cover the Giants in Week Three. So your feelings about Daniel Jones at the beginning of the year versus now? Maybe I could ask it like this. What would you have offered Daniel Jones in August in terms of a second contract versus what would you offer Daniel Jones today in terms of a second contract? It's night and day. I think before the season, if you you know had a gun to my head and said, what are you doing with Daniel Jones after this year? I'd say letting him walk, right? Having him go somewhere else, having him have a new opportunity, a fresh opportunity with another team. But what you've seen this year the biggest problem with Daniel Jones was the turnovers. Since entering the league, no quarterback had more combined interceptions and fumbles than Daniel Jones. And that is a small, when you think about the quarterback position, it's a small percentage of the plays, right? It's not, you play 800 snaps as a quarterback in every single season. And a high turnover season is like 40 of those snaps are turnovers. If you can, and everyone says, if you can just stop the turnovers, if you can just stop the turnovers, this quarterback would be good. It's easier said than done. But when it's such a limited percentage of the snaps, it is easier if you hone in on that at the quarterback position. It's exactly what Daniel Jones did. Again, you saw it from week one. Red zone interception to Saquon Barkley. It's one of the few times this year that Brian Dayball was outright screaming at <laughs> Daniel Jones, screaming at him on the sideline, saying, brother, this is not acceptable. We don't do this anymore. And obviously he's only finished the season with less than you know, six, seven interceptions. That, I think, to me, showing that growth Daniel Jones has to limit the turnovers, unlocking him as a runner, having him you know, really well coached in that if it's the first read's not there, second read's not there, you're pu- you know, putting your head down and you're running the football, his taking to that coaching this year proves to me that you can unlock the strength of that skill set. He's a big dude. He's an athletic dude. He has an NFL arm. You can unlock the strength of that with the right coaching. I think you didn't see that. You didn't get the opportunity to see that with Joe Judge and Jason Garrett pulling the strings, right? Ugh. You didn't get to see what could good coaching do for this guy because he obviously didn't have it. Yeah, and then throw in Andrew Thomas getting better as an offensive lineman, the addition of Evan Absolutely. Neal. That's it. Oh, I, like, I get him a Giants fan. My thoughts of Daniel Jones at the beginning of the year till now. Uh, got him an emotional flip-flopping hypocrite. From the ringer, joined by Austin Gale, signed Daniel Jones. Give him the max money. Um, 
maybe the most fun game is going to be Bills, Bengals, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, a lot of talent. It's funny, Austin. I don't know how you what sense you're getting from uh, from the other writers at the Ringer. I'm getting a sense everyone is now sort of leaning towards Cincinnati for this game. Yeah, I think um, you know Joe Burrow. If you were doing uh, a dialed in rankings, dialed in since say October or November, I think he might be number one. This guy is as confident as any player in the league, and he's only in his third season. Everyone has talked about Patrick Mahomes and how much he's developed as a passer this year, particularly because of how the offense has been elevated without Tyreek Hill, and rightfully so. Patrick Mahomes is going to win the league MVP because him and that Chiefs offense are the best of the best. However, if Patrick Mahomes didn't exist, we'd be looking at Joe Burrow as one of the most improved players, improved players specifically at the quarterback position, given how he's maneuvering pockets better, he's taking less sacks, he's protecting the football, and adapting how he has to play within the limitations of the offense, right? The offensive line wasn't good out of the gate. They had to change things up. The running game wasn't there. They had to change things up. His willingness and ability to change his stripes, pun intended with the Cincinnati Bengals, (laughs) halfway through the season, in his third year, with playoff experience, deep playoff experience, is just incredible. Like, we have not seen a quarterback with his limitations, right? Like, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have freaky mobility, freaky athleticism, and a bazooka of an arm with his limitations, improve as much as he has and be the juggernaut that he has really since Tom Brady. I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady. I'm not comparing him to some of these greats of the previous years, but it was a league that was being dominated by Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, guys with freaky arm talent or freaky mobility like Lamar Jackson. For him to come in and not have those things and really elevate at the position, I think is a huge tip of the cap of the type of player that he is and honestly a big reason why people are back in the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they're a better Super Bowl contender now than they were last year. Yep. The only caveat being no Alex Kappa this week, the right guard, and no Jonah Williams, obviously the left tackle. That is scary. Not having those two players along the offensive line against the Buffalo Bills defense that, yes, doesn't have Von Miller, still can create pressure, right? Uh, you know, A.J. Epinesa, Gregor Rousseau, they have guys that can create pressure. I worry that that might be too much to overcome on the road in Buffalo, which is going to be a very emotional game, which I'm sure DeMar Hamlin will be a part of the pregame ramp-up. Like, I think this is going to be – the big reason this game is five-and-a-half, Bills favored by five-and-a-half, I think it's some of the emotional stuff, but also this offensive line injuries. Yeah, oh, 100%. We, we saw what the Bengals were at the beginning of the year and in the playoffs last year, all the sacks um, that Joe Burrow was taking. Uh, nerdy football question for you. Who is more important for their team? Is it Stephon Diggs with the Bills or Jamar Chase with the Bengals? Stephon Diggs for the Bills by a significant margin because I do think that the wide receiver two and wide receiver three for Cincinnati is a lot better than what the Buffalo Bills have. Like, they signed... Cole Beasley off the street because they're not sure who they want in this wide receiver wide receiver three situations. Like the rookie Khalil Shakir out of Boise State had that big drop down the football field that would have kind of shifted the game for the Buffalo Bills, kept the Miami Dolphins in that game on a key third down. Where Cincinnati, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, they even like Hayden Hurst, Joe Mixon, Maji Piran. I think they have a lot of depth at skill player positions. Chase is great. And you could argue that Chase is a better receiver than what Stephon Diggs is. But I think Stephon Diggs is an elite talent in this league that without him, they, you know, the injury luck was the other way and Stephon Diggs wasn't able to suit up. I think this line flips a lot of points right in the Cincinnati Bengals' direction because I think he's that critical to the offense. Yeah, it's uh... – God, I can't wait for that. I can't. You're right. No, you're right. And and the, and the gap between you know just yeah the McKenzies of the world versus what the Bengals have is pretty is pretty significant. So, actually, you know what? Speaking of gaps, you were mentioning about uh, Patrick Mahomes before. How much of a gap is there between Patrick Mahomes and whoever the second best quarterback is in football? 
pretty significant. I think from a talent level, like if you're just like so focusing in on the traits and the ability, it's not as big. Like Allen's right up there. I think Burrow's right up there. Herbert's right up there. Like you have guys that are as talented as Patrick Mahomes, but you don't have guys executing like Patrick Mahomes. Like what Patrick Mahomes has done this year is almost twice as better than any other offense in the league. If you look at efficiency, EPA per play, the Chiefs offense is double the second best offense. That's insane. That's, that's ridiculous. It, just, it doesn't make sense. And all of that is because of how much he's been able to really improve his mid-range jumper, right? He was a guy that was very dependent on explosive plays early in his career, then adjusted a bit, running more screens on the Andy Reid offense. Then you lose Tyree Kill, a lot of people were concerned. There were tweets saying the Chiefs might be the fourth-ranked team in the division because they got Russell Wilson and the Raiders got Devontae Adams. No, Patrick Holmes got a lot better, Andy Reid got better, and they're making it work with Juju Smith-Schuster, Miko Hardman, Markel Zadis-Canton. Like, this is a Chiefs offense that is so much better than it ever could be because of Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes is in a tier by himself. You can argue who two and three is, but they're not even in the same you know, in the same world as what Mahomes is doing. Yeah, if you didn't know that uh, Tyreek Hill went to Miami and you just saw Mahomes' numbers just blindly, you would assume that Tyreek Hill was there and was healthy for all 17 games. Uh, Austin, I'll leave you with this. What are you more confident in? San Francisco with Brock Purdy being able to score on the Cowboys' aggressive D or Dallas can, or Dak Prescott can continue to do what he did against the Bucks against the 49ers. I'll say this. Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy in every way, shape, and form. To Correct. compare the two, I think, is ridiculous. Correct. I think what's different is, what's different is Brock Purdy and what the offense that they have, including Kyle Shanahan, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Chris McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings. Like, this is a loaded, loaded skill group with the best offensive player play caller in the league. You talk about the gap between Patrick Mahomes and QB2. There is also a massive gap between the best offensive play caller and Kyle Shanahan and whoever you want to call the second-best offensive play caller. Now, you have Kyle Shanahan going against Dan Quinn, the coach he was under when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl a few years ago and lost 28-3. He knows that defense in and out. I think he's going to carve it up. I think that three and a half is ridiculous. I think it's one of my favorite bets of the weekend. I think 49ers blow out this Dallas Cowboys team because this offense is too good. And defensively, Demetrius Lyons is obviously getting the defense coordinator for the Niners, getting some head coaching opportunities or interviews at least. I think this team is a juggernaut. I think they're going to the NFC Championship, and I think they win big against Dallas. Austin, really appreciate it. This has been fantastic. Again, go to The Ringer. Go to Spotify. Uh, just the amount of content. It's, and it's free content. You, people should have to pay for it. It's incredible. Follow him on Twitter at Austin Gale. Thanks so much for joining the show. Enjoy the weekend, and I feel good. I also took the 49ers to win and cover. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Take care. That is Austin Gale from The Ringer.